I'll just go ahead and get started. If you have your Bibles with you in any way, shape or form, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10. Again, that is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10. And I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. Again, that is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10. And the Bible reads as follows. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Verse 10. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. With your help and your prayers, I want to preach under the subject title, Something Better. Something Better. Let us pray. Lord, this has been a week. This has been a year. And if we ever needed you before, we sure do need you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. In 1978, Quincy Jones assembled an all-star cast of musicians and actors to create the black version of The Wizard of Oz. This version would be called The Wiz. It starred Lena Horne as Glinda the Good, Diana Ross as Dorothy, Michael Jackson as the Scarecrow, Ted Ross as the Lion, Nipsey Russell as the Tin Man, and Richard Pryor as the Wiz. And for those of you who aren't familiar with The Wiz, not The Wizard of Oz, the story line is simply this. It follows the adventures of Dorothy, a shy 24-year-old Harlem school teacher who finds herself magically transported to the urban fantasy land of Oz, which resembles a dream version of New York City. Befriended by a scarecrow, a tin man, a cowardly lion, she travels through the city to seek an audience with the mysterious Wiz, who they say is the only one powerful enough to send her home. In the original Wizard of Oz, Dorothy sings a song many of us know called Somewhere Over the Rainbow. But in The Wiz, Dorothy sings a very soul-stirring ballad called Home, and the lyrics read as follows. When I think of home, I think of a place where there's love overflowing. I wish I was home. I wish back. I wish I was back there uh, uh, to the things I've been knowing. Wind that makes the tall trees bend into leaning. Suddenly, the snowflakes that fall have meeting. Sprinkling the scene makes it all clean. And she goes on to describe her idea of home. And this idea of home is being challenged more and more in our world today, even in the Black community, as we continue to see the senseless deaths and shootings of African-American people unarmed or legally armed. This idea of a place called Called home is being challenged around the world where COVID-19 and shady politics are being played out before our eyes. This idea of a place called home is being even challenged within the Seventh-day Adventist church. This year has been a lot and it's not even over yet. We are in misery and in pain. December is only two months away and yet it feels like it is three years away. Folks are anxiously 
anxiously awaiting 2021 in the hopes that we will get a restart. But the reality is we have no idea what 2021 will bring. Listen, y'all, our world is unsettled. Our nation is unsettled. Our church is unsettled. Our families are unsettled. And deep within our hearts, we are looking for a place called home. Our passage for today comes from the book of Hebrews known as the Faith Hall of Fame. And, and it is in this chapter that Paul describes several Jewish heroes who are not perfect, but have a saving faith in God. Paul begins in this chapter by talking about Abel and Enoch. In verse four, the Bible says, by faith, Abel offered uh, to God a better sacrifice than Cain. In verse five, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And then Paul reminds us in verse six that without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And I want to just pause a moment to remind us of the importance of that text, that verse six, the, the men being mentioned thus far did exactly what Paul is describing. They believed God, though they had not seen him face to face. They trusted God, even though they had not yet fully experienced his promises. They believed they trusted God, period. And too many times, even as believers, we think that we have the right to give God ultimatums before we'll make the decision to have faith in God at all. Unless God moves the way we want, Want him to, we won't believe. Unless God answers our prayer request, we won't believe. Unless God works the miracle that we want, we won't believe. Unless God gives us the spouse that we want, we won't believe. Unless God lets us hit the lottery, we won't believe. Unless God heals our bodies, we won't believe. Like we have a laundry list of needs. I I know that I do, but but uh, 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 and, and we think that we will solidify our faith in God only if God moves the way we want him to move. But let me tell you something on this evening. God will and has shown up and shown out in your life and in my life to encourage and strengthen our faith in him. But a time is coming where we will have to learn how to depend on God and trust in God, even when we can't see him and won't see him move. For the Bible says that in the last days, the spirit of God will be withdrawn from this earth and all of the reinforcement we've needed will not be there anymore. We will just have to know that we know. In fact, Revelation 22 chapter 11 says it like this. He that is just, let him be just still. And he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. The fact of the matter is that when it comes to our relationship with God, faith is not optional. Yes, there will be moments when we will wonder about the character of God. We'll wonder if he still loves us. We'll wonder if he can still use us. We'll wonder if we've even committed the unpardonable sin or will Jesus welcome us back like the prodigal father? Yes, these moments will happen, uh, uh, but they should not become beliefs for what we believe about God is vitally important. Uh, hence the reason the devil comes at us as hard as he does. If he can convince us that God is not love, that God is holding back, that God does not have our best interests at heart, then our beliefs will govern our actions. Again, 
This is why Paul is saying that without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible because if our hearts are not in it, it is not for real. But these men, Enoch and Abel, had faith. And if we're just going to be honest on this evening, in order to have a successful relationship with God, we have to learn to trust him because the absence of faith spells disaster. I realize that God is not here in human flesh right now. I know we can't go out to eat with him even though we seek his blessings over our food. I know we can't call him on the telephone even though we can seek him in prayer. I know we can't ask him to go on a road trip with us even though we ask for safe traveling mercies. But if we allow for the, ab the, the absence of his physical presence to be a barrier to our faith, then we are going to be missing out on the greatest blessing, the greatest relationship of all time. And that's a relationship with Jesus because it's with Jesus that we find love. It's with Jesus that we find purpose. It's with Jesus that we find meaning and that we find a value. So even though we can't see him, we must still believe. Even though we can't touch him, we must believe. Even though we cannot feel him, we must believe because Paul is telling us in verse six that a tremendous barrier will eat away at our spiritual souls, even block some of our prayer requests if we insist on not believing that God is who he says he is. The passage continues in verse seven by saying, by faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, prepared an ark. And then verse eight through 10 say, by faith, when, when Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, not knowing where he was going, by faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob fellow heirs of the same promise for he was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God again this he is in reference to Abraham and Abraham's story really begins in Genesis chapter 11 verse 31 through 32 where the Bible tells us that Abraham and his wife Sarah and their nephew Lot have left the land of Ur of the Chaldeans heading for Canaan but end up settling in Haran and it is while they're living in Haran that Abraham receives his call from God. In Genesis chapter 12, verse one through three, the Bible says, now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will, and the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. This is what God says to Abraham after he and his family have left Ur of the Chaldeans. Stick with me. I am going somewhere. I'll be honest with you though this evening that the planner in me would be extremely uncomfortable with this directive from God. I mean, Lord, what do you mean go to a land that I will show you? Can't you just tell me where we are going? Can you at least give me a hint? Lord, I don't like suspense. Lord, I need to prepare my mind for this land, don't I? Listen, y'all, this was a major leap of faith. But look at what Genesis chapter 12, verse 4 says. The Bible says, so Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. 
And what's interesting is that Abraham's father, Terah, had intended to take his whole family to the land of Canaan. According to Genesis eleven thirty one, the Bible says that Terah took Abram's, uh, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan, and they went as far as Haran and Sarai there. Listen, they were heading to Canaan, but they never made it there. They stopped in Haran where Terah died. And I want to pause here to say that it's mighty interesting that Abraham's father, his earthly father, meant to take his family to Canaan, but it would be Abraham's heavenly father that would actually seal the deal. But here's God now calling Abraham to this very land. And, and in Genesis 12, verse 7, the Bible says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And I want you to take notice of the fact that Abraham went to this land under God's guidance and instruction. God is giving Abraham this land. And Hebrews is saying that because Abraham trusted in God and, and, and trusting in God without evidence, he is considered to be a man of righteousness and faith for his willingness to go. But check this out. Even though this land was Abraham's given to him by God, a land where his descendants would be all would all be able to pilgrimage to this land was not enough for Abraham because this land, though promised, was still marred by sin. This land, though promised, still had other residents there who did not know God. This land, though promised, would still experience natural disasters. This land, though promised, was not perfect. And it was not a place where Abraham and his wife could just sit back, relax, and chill. This land, though promised, though a gift, Though a blessing would not be enough to satisfy Abraham, and hear me now when I say, because as long as sin separates us from God, as long as sin reigns in this world, any land will only be a temporary dwelling place. Now, if Abraham had not been in a relationship with God, perhaps Canaan would have been sufficient. But because he was so close to God, Abraham longed for something better. This is why the writer of Hebrews says that in the midst of Abraham having residency in a promised land, he still considered himself to be a stranger. I don't know if y'all are with me on this evening. He still considered himself to be a foreigner, a immigrant, or as some might say, an alien. Because Abraham, hear me now, Abraham understood what God is wanting his people to understand today that this world is not our final resting place. And here's the thing. We get it sometimes 
But then there are times where we get confused. When a shooting, a scandal, or something crazy hits the news cycle, we have a knee-jerk reaction to flee to a different place with the hopes that it will be a better place, hoping we can go to the grocery store without being followed, hoping we can purchase something expensive without being questioned, hoping we can drive a luxurious car without being pulled over, hoping we can live in a gated community without having to prove home ownership, hoping we can dress as we please without being assumed that we are thugs, hoping we can take our kids to the doctor's office without it being assumed that we're on Medicaid, hoping we can go on a jog or a bird watch without being harassed, basically hoping to go to a place where the worst is not assumed about us, you know, a better place. Now, there's no denying the fact that there are many benefits to living in the United States of America. We have rights and privileges that many other countries just don't have. This country allows for us to critique it without punishment, to vote for whomever we want to, to believe whatever we want to. We have more than one news outlet. Uh, 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 we have a lot of freedoms here, but what we also have are a whole host of other problems that make living in this country bittersweet. So the question as Christians becomes, if we're tired of what we are experiencing here, where are we really going to go? Some feel like they want to go to Africa. Some people want to go to Canada. I, I saw a news article uh, earlier this week where the prime minister of Canada said that he is considering closing the borders until we get this pandemic under control. I mean, seriously, where are we going to go where there won't be any problems? Nowhere. Each place has its pros and it also has its cons because at the end of the day, as Christians, our hearts truly are longing for a country, a place that is nowhere found on planet Earth. It's a place that Abraham longed for, a place that is not the brainchild of human beings. It's a place that is not created by human in innovation, a place that has not been colonized by human force, a place that is not built by human hands, but a place where the builder and the architect is God. But not only is he the architect and builder, he is also the governor. In fact, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the light that shines. He is the love that flows. He's the God who heals. And let me tell y'all, he's the God who saves. Abraham was given a land by God, but even that land was not good enough. And what I want you to know on this evening that what we see happening around us is not all there is. God has something better for us. It is up to you and I to believe in that place by faith, just like Abraham did and he died not ever seeing it. But I'm crazy enough to believe that when Jesus comes through the clouds of glory, he's gonna call Abraham out of the grave and welcome him into the city that Abraham longed to be in. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know on this evening, there is something better. In fact, Revelation chapter 21, verse one through four says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, uh, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain for the first things have passed away. Listen, y'all, this, there is no place on this planet earth like this that promises what God promises. I'm telling you, there is something better. And Abraham longed for this, but the good news does not stop there. In verse 10 through 21, there are 12 gates and 12 angels with 12 foundation stones and the names of the apostles are written on those stones. And I just want to take a pause. In fact, a praise break pause to say that isn't it so nice of God that the names of fallen beings will be inscribed in a city that they had nothing to do with? They didn't draw up the blueprints. They didn't put the stones together. They didn't find a contractor. This is all God. And he Yet their names are going to be written on these stones. Praise be to Jesus. I'm telling you, there is something better. And this is the place that Abraham longed for. But the good news does not stop there. I hope y'all came for some good news this evening because I'm not quite finished. Verse 22 says, I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God has illumined it and its lamp is the lamb. I am telling you there is something better and this is the place that Abraham longed for. Verse 27 in that same chapter says, and nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Brothers and sisters, there is something better. And that better place is a city called heaven. This is what Abraham longed for. And he stayed close to God, believing by faith in a place that he had not seen yet. But the good news it does not stop there. Ella White says in early writings, page 288, uh, uh, that Jesus himself is going to escort us through the gates of the holy city, that Jesus himself will place crowns on our heads, but then we're going to take those very crowns off and cast them at the feet of Jesus in honor of the fact that he is our savior and our Lord. I'm telling you, there is something better. Listen, y'all. I know that it's rough down here. I know that we're tired of so much, but there is something better. And check this out. Money is not going to get you into this city. Networking will not get you into this city. Education will not get you into this city. Occupation will not get you into this city. Family heritage will not get you into this city. Uh, loyalty to a political party will not get you into this city. Uh, being a long-standing uh, generational Adventist will not 
not get you in to this city. There's only one thing that will gain you admission into this holy city built by God and governed by God and supplied by God. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And if you're tired here, the good news is there is something better. Abraham longed for that place. And I hope that you are longing for that place too. In fact, Jesus himself said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you will be also. Listen. There's nothing wrong with wanting to find a home that's good for you and your family, but please know that as a Christian, any place on this planet is going to be marred by sin. Therefore, it should be ingrained in our DNA to long for something better. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 says that all these people died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and welcomed them from a distance, confessing their immigrant status on this earth. Verse 16 says, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. As I close, no matter what is going on this week in, in Adventism or in the world, remember that God has something better for us. What we see is not all there is, but it's only attainable through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So if you have not already given him your heart today, I want you, I want to encourage you to do so. God is still moving through the life of the church to save the world, but he is also moving in your life to save you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, God, we just want to thank you for this promise in your word that while we may be discouraged by everything that is happening around us, this is not all there is. Therefore, we can have hope because you have provided something better for your children. So God, we ask for you to keep us in the palm of your hands that we will not stray to the left or to the right, but we will walk that narrow gate that leads to salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.